0: A second you are listening to the Off Court yeah, podcast, the Off Haifa yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah the, the um, Off Mediterranean
1: podcast. We'll, ap- we'll apologize in a bit. Sorry. Oh wait, I'm buggling your intro.
0: Oh no, that's okay. I was gonna say we're, we're sorry for doing so many episodes on Israel. Yeah, um, in
1: advance.
0: <laughs> It's my it's it is it really is my latent anti semitism coming through and like I'm basically relying on you to give me a hood pass.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you are um, allowed to the to the rosh hashanah cookout that we'll be having next year.
0: <laughs> I don't even know I don't even know what words what words I wouldn't be allowed to say if I had a hood pass, or I would be allowed to say if I had a hood pass. Yep. We'll
1: make you. We'll make <sighs> you apologize on Yom Kippur. But yeah, it's it's interesting. We we did our our, our Mari Studemeyer episode, which you will definitely have listened to before this one, uh, just in terms of the order we're going to be putting these out. Um, and then we were going to do sort of a Israel Palestine um, episode, a two parter, because as we said at the beginning of the show, we are the chromio of sports uh, history commentary. Um, but from what I understand, Abdul, your research about the Israeli side was just too funny to not be focused on. That's what, that's what I got from your DMS.
0: (laughs) I intended to make an episode on like the history of, of Palestine as we know it now, you know, the, uh, you know, occupied Palestinian state about like their history of recognition at the Olympics and like trying to get to the Olympics pre Munich, right? Like the conditions that created Munich and like created the conditions for such like a horrific event to happen. But why did that event happen at, Uh, at a sport at like sporting games rather than any other like high profile event right but Mm -hmm. in my research and a very zionist book i read the file by san charles haddad who is palestinian but wrote a book that uh, you know it's it's a very good book with a very good history but like his book took like a very aggressively anti-palestinian stance but like the story contained within was so good, I could not not make this the episode. Like, it was just... It was so fucking funny and so interesting. I'm like... So this went from uh, an episode about, like, you know, stuff like Palestinian dispossession of land and tragedy to how being the director of the Jerusalem YMCA was probably the most thankless job in the world.
1: I mean, I I guess, uh, so people understand, and maybe if you want to look up a little bit of information before we start against, you're not familiar with it, but at the end of the day, Munich, the tragedy at Munich, the the terrorist attack, whatever you want to call it in Munich that happened um, is going to act as sort of a flagpole in this epoch that we're going to be forming about sports in that region as uh, occupied Palestine was forming into the country we know today as the apartheid state that we know today as Israel. Um, just to explain before we we focus on this YMCA later, I'm going to provide sort of an epilogue in the second part about in, in terms of how the rest of the century played out for Israel might be a bit of more of a boring uh, aspect of it, although the end has a lot of quite funny uh, interactions between um, pro-Palestinian athletes and Israelis. But we just had to the first part is going to be about this character because it sounds to me like it's basically going to be the next Paul Thomas Anderson movie or something potentially.
0: It really could be like, I'm surprised it hasn't been made into a movie in Israel or anywhere else yet. Like Mm. his story is really that intriguing. And it also includes a team that may or may not have been sent to the Berlin Olympics, a ripped out budgets from YMCA records Mm. uh, across like certain periods in history. Um, Like, yeah, So, I'll I'll actually preface this with my intro here. So Nazis assumed full control of Germany in 1933, in January 1933, and they hosted the they inherited the rights of hosting the Olympic Games right from the Weimar Republic.
1: What year? What year is this? Just for me too. January
0: 30th, 1933. Thank you. And our story will start earlier, but um, amongst like global Jews, socialists, communists, and like actually most countries in the world especially Western countries um, mm-hmm. there was a real like argument around boycotting the Olympic Games uh, for obvious reasons uh, you know Nazis even then people were not not the biggest fans
1: at that time uh, Hitler was more of like like every, it seemed like every oh, yeah every uh every world leader at that time was treating was potentially treating Hitler the way Trump treated Kim Jong, uh, in the past, in his past presidency. It's this sort of flirtation with if it's wrong or not, but did you see that Charlie Chaplin movie sort of as the other side of the question?
0: That's actually like completely it. That's a really good like comparison. Cause it's like, Oh, this dude's like a bloodthirsty warmonger, but like, you know, the only people who really had a sense of, I think what was coming was uh, were global jews and very specifically obviously jews in germany and uh, eastern europe because eastern and western europe because like they were immediately feeling the effects and stuff like that like they're already banned from a lot of public life almost you know immediately or at the le- very least marginalized but the the year after uh an invitation to the berlin games arrived at p.o box 129 in tel aviv palestine and this invitation was inviting uh you know at okay so very quickly we are going to be referring to israel as palestine this episode not actually to take some sort of political stand but because until israel was was ratified as the state of israel it was known as palestine or the mandate of palestine so pa- palestine in this case was like covers jerusalem haifa tel aviv like basically everything we know is modern day israel uh it's not and that's what. Israelis called it too.
1: some, uh, some people who maybe aren't as privy to this history as me and Abdul are will might get confused because I think, uh, a lot of people get the same Mandela effect about the formation of Israel, where this there's this idea that in like 1945 or something, when we it took all the Jews out of the, the concentration camps in the Holocaust, we went and claimed the land of Israel for them. When in fact, it is this slow colonial political process, uh, led by the British that began much earlier than the the beginning of the holocaust and culminated years after the holocaust finished so just to give some people context who Absolutely. right away might already be like but i thought that Oh wait, this isn't drum circle jerk. Sorry. Uh, g- g-
0: <laughs> there were already there were already millions of Jewish refugees and immigrants in Israel by the time Israel by the time the the liberation of um, many of them not from Europe yeah. as well.
1: Many of them from a lot of the Arabic countries uh, that they yeah. were living in.
0: And and like uh, you know uh, you know my own personal thoughts on Israel aside. This episode is uh, I you know my last preface will be that this episode is uh not about a potential like non-colonial approach to israel it's about uh what could have become like a far more equitable world that could have happened if you assume that the nation state of israel was sort of inevitable given everything that happened with the british in world war Two. like there's no way you could posit a story like this and its outcome in like uh, a truly palestinian state it's like how good could it have been for all groups involved uh, despite still being a colonial project like you know anything else is like basically engaging in fan fiction because like the the creation of the apartheid state (sighs) well the creation of state of israel was inevitable the creation of the apartheid state was not Mm -hmm. and like it's still a colonial project that doesn't mean the colonial project couldn't have been Better or, at the very least, more balanced uh, in favor of all three major religious groups within the state of Israel, Muslims, Christians, and Jews. But, yeah, a year after uh, the Nazis assumed control of Germany in Israel, uh, an invitation to inviting Israel to the Olympiad in Berlin. Kind of, pa-
1: kind of passive-aggressive, actually. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, arrived in Berlin, and uh, arrived in Tel Aviv. And this invitation was a direct invitation to the Jews of Palestine um, and everyone else uh, to come to Berlin for the for the Olympics. And it was from Joseph Goebbels himself.
1: <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting my podcast. We on.
0: It's okay, you're Jewish. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm shutting up here. <laughs> so basically, uh, although defeated in war, the legacy of the Nazis in... Uh, Jerusalem has affected Olympic history for decades mm-hmm. and it also altered the course of Palestinian and Israeli history basically forever. Um it's worth noting that the only country in the world that that boycotted the Berlin Olympics was Palestine and that was actually a joint effort from a uh, one Muslim and one Jew mm. which I also find very interesting. Um, It was probably the last time till the Oslo Accords uh, and their ensuing collapse that the Muslims and Jews agreed on anything except, you know, hating each other. And like there are very legitimate critiques of the Olympic movement that we will get to probably next year. But the Olympic movement has also done a lot to break down a sort of national identity models in favor of sort of abstract totalizing nationalism. And there are a few good things that come with that alongside a lot of bad things, right? Uh, Olympics can be used to clean up ethnic divisions within a country in service of, like, the project of that country, you know, rather than internal strife and internal conflict. It sort it of takes those internal conflicts and totalizes them to make it natural. I mean, as
1: we will discuss more in the second half, too, There are uh, Israel is technically in West Asia in terms of where it is on the fucking map. <laughs> but literally because these divisions are so so powerful and so deep uh, that the IOC has to include Israel in its European games as opposed to its West Asian games simply because the other countries just don't want to fuck with Israel. And this has continued to this day and has also been uh, pushed by Israel to, to like, like Israel itself wants this to be a thing because they also uh, don't want to be in a room with a bunch of people who hate their guts. I, I guess I get it.
0: Same with Eurovision, actually.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: So, and there's one more thing to sort of keep in mind, which is that the Olympics uh, then and to this day are extremely important for a project of nation building. They are literally how nations define themselves, uh, especially historically. They are... More than even ratification at the UN, they are how a nation sort of comes into its own and articulates itself Mm. and like creates an image of itself and legitimizes itself as a nation in the eyes of the world. The Olympics and the ability to participate in the Olympics and especially, especially who participates from that nation in the Mm. Olympics defines how a country is viewed and also has a huge effect on the internal politics of the country
1: i mean it shouldn't be news to anybody that Olymp- the uh, sending your team to the olympics is a diplomatic campaign of some sort uh i think yeah. i think this is a fact that most people understand but need they need to be reminded of i think especially with the commercialization of the olympics nowadays
0: and especially with like how much semiotic power the olympics hold like if you see a sea of white faces uh in a country that is diverse at the olympic games it it Does send a different message, especially for the people who are in that country watching their athletes on screen. What what the definition of you know uh, sort of a Canadian or an Israeli is, right? And you you'll see nowhere is this more important than the case of Israel.
1: (laughs) I mean, in recent news, I don't know if I'm derailing your uh, your next point. If you had a great transition there, but Russia has been banned from displaying any sort of uh, national presence, any flags for the next two Olympics because of. Uh, doping, uh, mass doping that they've been uh, up to. And uh, that is going to affect the geopolitical relationships between Russia and many of the countries that the IOC is uh, constantly in support of for years to come.
0: Absolutely. It's an absolutely bullshit man. by the way. The, yeah. on, their only crime was getting caught. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so sort of muscular Zionism or muscular Judaism was preceded by this idea of muscular christianity that found its like greatest expression through the ymca which i did not know until this episode was 200 years old and one of the most powerful organizations in the world they were a non-secular sort of christianity uh that seeked to build sports as a source of moral education based on sportsmanship without any of the like divisions of christianity uh they had billions in funding they had complex bodies all over the world with the goal of promoting and facilitating sport the world over. And they were crucial to any country finding its way into the Olympics because they were the major sporting body next to the IOC. Um, and they were basically relied upon to help countries like get Olympic ready. And it was, yeah, it was huge. The YMCA was huge and it was super important. If a country wanted to get into the Olympics, they needed the help of the YMCA for the most part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so keep in mind, at this point in history, the YMCA is like um, an incredibly, incredibly aggressive organization and incredibly huge. Like, it is. I had no idea that they wielded this much power on the world stage. They did. They were insanely huge. And they still do, just not to the, the complex geopolitical degree they did then. So there's there's three main characters in the story. I'm sorry, there's a lot of background, but you need this just to get to just explain it. Mm-hmm. The first one is Yosef Yekutieli. Um the <laughs> Is that is that blackface for Jews?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just you basically just said the adverb word. Uh, I mean, you got the pronunciation right, but as I said before we recorded, it's just a, a matter of lowering the tone and coming from the back of the fr- throat. It's more like Yosef Yuc- Ye- Kuti- Eli. but we're good. I'm I'm, I'm giving you a, I gave you the hood
0: pass earlier. <laughs> <So up here. laughs> Yosef uh, Ye- Kuti- Eli is arguably the most important person in the history of Jewish and Israeli sport. He founded the Maccabee Games, considered the Jewish Olympics, and he is the architect of Mandate Palestine's earliest internationally recognized national sports governing bodies, the Federation of Amateur Sports Clubs of Palestine, and the Palestine Olympic Association. Um, He also drew the movement's logo, which is still worn to this day, uh, which is, you know... uh, a Star of David with uh, interlocking rings around it or something to that effect. Uh, you'll definitely see it on Israeli athletes the world over. He was uh, super involved with Maccabee House or as we know it now, Maccabi Tel Aviv or Maccabee Tel Aviv. And basically his dream was to get uh palace. He was known as the Maccabee soldier and his dream uh, as a World War I vet was to get Israel uh, onto the world stage and recognized as a country through sports. Right, he understood the power that Olympic affiliation had, and he made that he made that his goal. This guy was also like the mega Zionist, by the way. He was the most Zionist, Zionist who has ever uh, who has ever <laughs> potentially walked uh, the face of Israel. He. Yeah, he he wanted it to be an exclusively Jewish project. That's very important uh, to remember. <laughs> I have
1: a quote here actually from him from my research. I think we're going to be bouncing around a bit. Should I uh, read it about what he saw as the value of sports? So, this is from Yosef in 1926. Uh, at many opportunities experts have noted the great propagandist value of Hebrew sport for our national movement. The propaganda will be different and the results will be different with the appearance of the Eretz Israeli team speaking live Hebrew called by Hebrew names and sunburned by the son of Eretz Israel. Such a team with blue white flags at its head will have no foreign partners. It will be ours. And it's victory and propaganda will be ours. That reads kind of like Nazi propaganda to me.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll get to the flags later, by okay. the way. This, this is something you definitely did not learn in school, but I find very interesting. <laughs> the second figure, his name is Frederick Kish, and he's definitely the most minor figure here. He built the Pal- uh, the Palestinian slash Israeli Olympic body with Yosef uh, Yakutieli. He was also a big sports guy. He was a very moderate, He like he was a Zionist, but he was a very moderate Zionist, if such a thing can exist. Like he was a, a mason in palestinian lodges that brought together jews arabs uh, christians and the british and he became president of the palestinian olympic committee um but like he he definitely saw a path forward where he sort of envisioned um sort of israelis or jewish people leading the way but with christians and muslims at the back like he he did not see it as an exclusively zionist project but he did see it as a zionist led project and then we get to our hero <laughs> Waldo Heinrich Senior, who is perhaps the most principled person in this story, and again, like the title of this is the worst job in the history of jobs. He he came to the Jerusalem to set up a YMCA there, and uh, and actually could have like almost almost created an Israel that would have equal representation for. Mm muslims jews and christians through his work he's actually as
1: i was mentioning to you the only name that i recognize from this story because he was lauded in uh his his israel history classes when i was growing up as somebody who was unifying the three the the diverse religions of you know the fucking crown jewel of the middle east as we call jerusalem in our propaganda
0: yeah it's uh he's and i'm not surprised because he does have a huge role to play but it's the the way the propaganda has reinvented him whereas like what actually happened to him is so fucking interesting so yeah the the YMCA had existed in, in Jerusalem for a while um and then like Muslims followed suit they created in 1926 in Egypt a Young Men's Muslims Association which had a branch in Haifa, Palestine um And, like, basically, at this point, Jews, Muslims, and Christians in the early 1920s were using sport to further, like, an idea of identity and especially express, like, their political their political aspirations right like they were trying to use it to legitimize themselves as a true and this is how early the the Pal- the israeli conflict was happening right the 1910s and 20s where like the all three groups were vying to like legitimize their hold over the holy land uh through sport right and the differentiating factor between like jewish non-jewish and ymca palestinian sports movements uh, was the degree to which any of them were willing to cast off their private like nationalist agendas to support the IOC's internationalist agenda, which insisted that Olympic governing bodies work together across ethnic and religious lines. And this happened for like this story takes place over the course of two decades. And basically the YMCA decided to muscle its way into Jerusalem and set itself up. And the YMCA, again, their goal is to promote morality through sport. They're actually not there to proselytize as aggressively as someone would think a young men's Christian association would be. And how
1: how aggressively they they did end up uh, propagating uh, just Christian values throughout like the 1970s and 80s when, uh, you know, we had to christian the aids vi- the aids virus out of homosexuals
0: yeah they became way more evangelical actually after the 1960s um, they became way more sort of outwardly christian later in history rather than before whereas at this point basically the the YMCA was like okay we are going to get we are going to help ethnic tensions in Israel that was their thing and they're like we are going to set up a YMCA here and like a YMCA everywhere, it's going to be the dominant sporting body of any country. Right. And we're going to, to sort of try to sort out all this like nascent ethnic and religious violence that's happening in the country, which is something again, was not weird for the YMCA to do. This was their like bread and butter was to solve these issues through sports, but they really did meet their match in Israel. (laughs) So, uh, Constantinople fell to the Ottoman Turks in 1453. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what hadn't been taken away by latin catholics during the fourth crusade was um kept by the greek orthodox church and was whittled away over 400 years of ottoman taxation and then british constraints basically after 400 years the greek the greek orthodox church was in a very very weak spot financially and especially following the russian revolution it it lost what little it had so it started selling property in the holy land this is where it all begins and in 1927 mm. they sold they sold some land to Protestants in the West Nikiforie district of Jerusalem that again this this land sale is a crucible for the modern state of Israel. Yeah, it's just, it's just
1: as a real estate project when you really distill the the interest of of uh of other international bodies in this piece of land it's uh it's masked with and as we will see actually with the using sport as an indoctrination tool, this idea of real estate as holy is uh, is basically what the land of Israel is formed on. It's great. It's very, very sensical.
0: Oh, hell yeah. And so, yeah, the YMCA acquired that land from the Greeks to build a new building, a $1.5 million building in that time. That's how much it cost. And it surrendered its old headquarters, which were like a dumpy building to the Arab sports club, which was founded in 28. That club would be the Sort of Arab, major Arab body of, of sports in Jerusalem and in Israel, but like the financial power and human capital lay with the Jerusalem YMCA. Thus began a five year journey to get it made and a 20 year project of potential unity and collapse. So, yeah, in 1929, the Jerusalem YMCA decided it was going to work hard on reconciliation. Its physical department said, we're going to bring Jews, Muslims together and Christians together in the Holy City. Jerusalem was a boom town. It was like growing so fast. It became like a cosmopolitan city. And like with the British mandate that declared it the mandate of Palestine, it also brought with it like an influx of Zionist Jews in 1929, which also created a lot of intercommunal tension. Because there are like there was a sort of uneasy... A hundreds of years of peace between Jews, Christians, and Muslims in the city uh, with the three sides basically arbitrating each other's land and solving each other's ethnic disputes. Obviously, there was uh ethnic violence, like we're not going to make shit up, like there was a lot of tension, but it was a very manageable tension relative to the sudden influx of new settlers coming in and like taking over and like declaring the land their own. And, you know, there were riots in, in 29 and 28 and the Jerusalem YMCS physical department was trying to heal those wounds and it saw like, oh, Olympic activity could, could do it. Like we could bring everyone together in the Olympics. We could see like the Olympics internationalist mission and the mission of us to bring these three religions together. We can build unity and say, okay, we're all Palestinian, like, quote-unquote, Palestinians here, right? Palestinian meaning the nation, not the ethnic group Palestinian. Yeah, like, their acting secretary general said, Nicholas Latoff, who was a, a Christian, said, We see the conflict between two rights, two equally justifiable ideals, which seem to be entirely incompatible. No solution seems to be possible, and the struggle continues. The Arabs wanted the world to know that there would be no peace in the country as long as Jews lived there. The Jews reciprocated the feeling. And uh, the Christians also felt the same way about both sides and vice versa. And the YMCA, like, yeah, Nicholas Latoff saw it as a role to fix this, and they said, okay. Some things never change, right? Yeah, they really are, like, they really are, like, the the sick puppy groupie in this case. Like, we're gonna fix you. <laughs> we're gonna fix you, Israel.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Captain Save-A-Ho, but for Israel... <laughs> Ha 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 ha! i don't know if we'll keep that
0: do <laughs> keep it the enormous influx of cash um mm. led to this idea of a magnificent building project the building still exists to this day and it is gorgeous by the way to to build like um the jerusalem ymca headquarters where this project could like be based which, out of, still right?
1: e- which still still exists to today and they are holding zumba classes there now just so you and guys flash mobs yeah exactly it's uh it's very uh grown into something very culturally relevant you know i actually happened to also walk by one of those zumba classes when i was in the holy land and let me tell you seeing the we- the west bank and the old city and then a zumba class right in the middle of it is one of the most disorienting visuals you will ever <laughs> fucking see in your life
0: i i i could only imagine it's again like i go back to like my mom seeing like a fried chicken restaurant outside the mm-hmm. outside the in the holy city of mecca mm-hmm. and like immediately declaring a fatwa on the other <laughs> uh, nation of uh, saudi arabia yep yep fair enough um it's it's the exact same energy <laughs> so this headquarters became the biggest YMCA and sports project in the world outside of the Olympics. And they didn't know who to pick as a a permanent secretary general. Smith said, you don't know who Smith is, but basically they were advised to not select a British secretary because he would not be perceived by the Arabs as sufficiently neutral. A Canadian would be considered too British. And they decided on an American because he could arbitrate the right relationships with all sides more easily. They, you know, everyone had like a, a fairly favorable view of Americans at this point as like an arbiter uh, in this case. So to set the stage for our actual story, the YMCA asserted itself as a representative Palestinian Olympic interests, but the Maccabees and the Zionists uh, engaged a different, created, different, led by Yekutieli, created a different association called the Palestine Olympic Games Association. And these two things sort of worked in parallel and now the building was under threat because this 1.5 million dollar building was suddenly underfunded because the stock market crashed there was like extreme political and economic instability in the world and um new york put out the call for a dude named waldo heinrichs uh his secretary general and oh boy what a mistake he made so yeah uh Waldo Heinrichs was born in Nongoli, South India to devout Baptist missionaries. When he graduated from university, he got the call, a term used to describe the dedication of one's life to service in the YMCA. He gave up the girl he loved. He gave up his dream of being an engineer, and he committed to dedicate his young life in the service of the foreign YMCA movement. He would build the Lahore YMCA into probably the most prominent, uh, Asian YMCA Association and also built the Punjab Olympic Association uh, with his friend Goro Dutt Santi, who became the secretary general of the Indian Olympic Association later the actual Olympics. He was, yeah, he was like this dude who was just like loved the YMCA. He was happy go lucky. He was known as like finding unity, you know, between Hindus and Muslims and Sikhs. Like he was the guy, right? He was the perfect guy to do this. He's like, I can take this challenge on. And so they said, do you want to come to Jerusalem and build the YMCA here and like solve this problem for us? And he's like, yes, I will do it. And um, he, uh, yeah, the International Committee of YMCA is in North America and Canada paid his salary and who owned the project, by the way, they took a gamble on him and they sent him to Jerusalem. So the sport and political developments of the latter half of the decade laid the foundation for a potentially groundbreaking cooperative effort in sport between jews muslims and christians and the jerusalem spearhead the jerusalem ymca spearheaded this effort and uh maccabee palestine sort of like took a part in it uh, from the outside and arab sport leadership sort of endorsed it as well but Yekutiel's exclusively zionist work him and kish were trying to federate soccer clubs and they like basically made sure that every israeli was into sport this is also probably foundational to the idea of like mandatory military service in israel not just on the basis of like quote-unquote defending the homeland but like this idea that like moral education through sport to make sure the arabs can't outpace you
1: and we're gonna actually see this a little bit more in the in the second part of this episode but it's a Major vehicle for propagating the Hebrew language, which at the time is not the main language of this country. We have Arabic. We have some uh, people speaking Yiddish who are coming from Eastern Europe, and we have English and Hebrew as a national language. is an important. It's almost the equivalent uh, importance of uh, French to to Quebec in terms of sovereignty. It's uh, it's uh, one of the most important vehicles of nation building, as we're going to see through
0: sports, you know, and Palestine could not yet participate in the Olympic Games because the territory uh, did not align with the IOC's requirement that constitute a nation. Yep, and Yakutielli uh, saw the only way of getting into the Olympic Games was affiliation with other international sporting bodies like FINA, the International Swimming Federation. So you had two movements trying to give Palestine Olympic legitimacy. You had Yakutielli's through a Zionist project that like exclusively favored Jews and Heinrichs, and we're gonna break and then get into the part two
1: these days we are completely bombarded with video content whether it's a series movies or documentaries about i don't know carol baskin and the tiger king that's the best documentary there is right guys screenworthy tries to cut through all this noise and talk about what it all means from a cultural standpoint and how it affects the future of filmmaking Hosts Kyle Budenis and the Smart Alaki Mine Refinery Creative Team talk to content creators and filmmakers about the state of the industry while diving deep into noteworthy projects that arrive on your screen. Screenworthy drops every other
0: Tuesday on the Mine Refinery Podcast Channel wherever you get your podcasts. So the Jewish community was a minority in Israel, but it, in sport it represented the majority. And the YMCA Physical Department decided to start uniting people they helped form and they and they wanted to close the skill gap between the like hundreds of Zionist soccer clubs and the like relatively underutilized and under-supported Arab and Christian clubs. Like, they formed the Arab Amateur Athletic Union they to help Arabs work cooperatively with Jews in the field of sport. And, like, both Jewish organizations that weren't, like, Yakutielis and Arab organizations and Christian organizations looked at the Jerusalem YMCA for advice. And this was all Heinrichs, right? Heinrichs is, like, orchestrating, like, okay, we're going to have a cooperative mandate to make sure that when we go to the Olympics, we will have, like, equal representation across these three groups. And they were like the mediator of sport. Um, And everything before then had been like less organized ad hoc and like not at the level it should have been. And then they like they even took it a step further and created a genuine sense of unity through the Jerusalem YMCA's tennis championship that brought together Muslims, Christians and Jews. And that was like a microcosm of diversity in the city um they had male and female Baha'is, Armenian, Greek Orthodox Christians, Jews, Muslims, Protestants, and Roman Catholics participate without incident uh in nineteen thirty one onward, right? Um and yet Kutielli saw this and wanted to seize the opportunity of his Maccabiad to affiliate um more Jewish or Zionist organizations to their respective sports bodies?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's important to note, um, it's going to be mentioned also casually in the next part, that there are competing Israeli sports bodies at the time, like Hapoel, and uh, actually a third one that I can't remember at the time. And these are kind of like, actually funny enough, these baby YMCAs that are being formed in Israel, trying to grab the the current, uh, uh, trying to form a monopoly over like, Fundamentalist Jewish sport (laughs) partaking. Um, So it's funny to see all these different organizations clamor for it. We're focusing on Ikutielli because as we're going to see, he comes out on top.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I actually had to cut four pages on Hapoel from like the 38 pages of research I had because it could be its own.
1: We don't focus on losers too in in this uh, sports (laughs) podcast.
0: Only one loser. And that was Heinrichs.
1: And we also talked about Hapoel in our Amari Stoudemire episode. That, that, That was their major achievement hundreds of years later.
0: And so, like Yakutielli created the first Maccabiad, which is the Jewish Olympics, and like he, he agreed to like nominal representation of uh, Arabs and Christians because the, the patron, uh, British High Commissioner Arthur Washope, said that they'd be invited to participate. but like because of its like very obvious in, intense Zionist like over at Zionist project, the YMCA boycotted uh, the Maccabiad under pressure from Arab and Christian press uh basically because they're like this is not an equivalent thing and instead while while yakutieli was working on creating the a this is so cute heinrich started the ymca library project with books on judaism islam and christianity to attract more people to the library and like try to bring people the, the bring people of the three abrahamic faiths together are you seeing the like already like doomed to fail relationship
1: yeah and also that he's basically saying like stop rioting arabs just come and read our jew books that you're gonna love you know they're totally gonna make sense to you out of context just stop fucking doing all this violence (laughs) <laughs> just chill it's just very, chill
0: it's very cute because he's like okay we're gonna we're gonna start in the, we're gonna start a library and show everyone that we're putting all their books in here while yakutieli is like holding this like massive sporting event like <laughs> a door over right um yeah like between may and this is while the building's being built right like mm. he's he's really doing all this shit like while it's being built And he, like, was very transparent about his work. Um, He was employed by the New York office, but, like, you know, he, he was still very accountable to the YMCA board, which he made, like, a conscious effort to bring all three faiths together in, like, equal representation. The board was not satisfied with his approach because his salary was confidential, as it wasn't his salary to be paid and they weren't paying it. And they already started seeing him as like duly accountable. He wasn't accountable to the board. He was accountable to the YMCA in North America. And so he was already caught between these two sides as he was like, again, like putting together a library project, starting a tennis tournament, like trying to bring, trying to juggle the three most, uh, the three most, um, difficult to juggle Abrahamic faiths in the place where they historically have had the most conflict. So in 1932, he recorded in his diary 19 instances of conflict with Jerusalem's YMCA board or staff members. In August and September, he experienced a significant deterioration in relations, and uh, the most difficult, significant conflict emerged over a battle to amend the Jerusalem YMCA's uh, constitution. This began in November and carried over into the next year, Ah, uh, beyond the buildings, new, the new buildings dedication, and the revisions were it like never should have been conflict. They were so minor, and they could have been made in a couple of days. But someone on this like twenty plus person board was stirring the pot and uh, intentionally <laughs> atomizing, atomizing like the stuff that should have been like just basic procedure. Right. He was right? Just being a
1: particular Jew. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, it it wasn't a Jew. You'll see. Oh, You'll interesting. See this. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um. And during that period, like Heinrichs also released the athletic field to use and like help, uh, like gave it to the Arabs to use so that they could practice outside of like Zionist sporting facilities. He uh, he actually certified a bunch of uh, Jerusalem sports facilities for international sports competition. Now we're going to we're going to jump to another guy, Abraham Fast, (laughs) a German. who opened the fast hotel in 1907. He was a member of the, that's, that's actually pretty clever. Sorry. Is it, is it spelled fast? F A S T yeah, Fast is in running fast. i like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a fast. Yeah. Y- yes. I love it. The fast hotel. Yeah. In 1907, he was a member of the German colony and a German Templar. <laughs> the Temple Society was a German, German Prost- yeah. uh, Protestant fraternal order that had a lot of uh, history in Jerusalem, believe it or not. Yeah, I love
1: how like <laughs> from the inception of all these organizations and the formation of the country, everybody thought this was going to work out. And just in retrospect... This just seems like it's gonna explode. Oh, you put all
0: these crazies from every religion, I mean, anyways, continue. Just this is blowing my mind. And uh, in the 1930s, the Fost Hotel served as the source for all but two of Palestine's Nazi Party oh my leadership. God. Um, only. Ten months before the hoisting of uh, the Nazi banner in Jerusalem, <laughs> uh, the Fost Hotel had hosted the Jerusalem YMCA's reception dinner for Heinrichs to celebrate his arrival in Palestine. Mm. One month after the swastika was raised, the Jerusalem YMCA would dedicate its new building. This is not confirmed, but Faust was likely the, the number one Nazi agent in Jerusalem before Ye- they became official agents.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's very clear <clears throat> why this... Part of the history was omitted from uh, many of my classes. This is a huge L for the for early for early Israel enormous L.
0: So Nazis through Faust started or agitating Christian and Muslim sentiments directly in conflict with Heinrich. A murky coalition of Nazis and Arab sympathizers influenced the association's board and early on poisoned the relationship between Heinrichs and his board and his staff. Heinrichs was constantly provoked for an intentional political purpose. Uh, also, the Jews uh, didn't do themselves any favors, by the way. Uh, Henrietta Zold, the leading Jewess in Palestine, that's a direct quote. I'm not just calling her a Jewess. <laughs> expressed doubts about the Arab Jew concord that the YMCA wanted to be and was threatened that any sort of Jewish uh, Arab Concord would threaten Jewish culture. And Dr. Leon Roth, like a leading luminary in Jerusalem at the time, said that the YMCA, by mixing all types, will continue to create a Levantine culture as opposed to our aim of a Jewish culture. Uh, So feeling depressed, Heinrichs decided to play more tennis with members of the association one (laughs) by one to approval.
1: Oh, wow. Get his mind off. Wait, wait, wait. One by one. He was to prove to...
0: relations oh okay, try... <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like he's he's hearing like everyone especially like the people who should be on side be like you're fucking this up we want a jewish country you want arab country he's like i'm going to play tennis right. with every yeah. board member one by one to make this work
1: <laughs> he said cash me outside how about that and then everybody yeah. fucking followed suit
0: Yeah, he's like literally doing hangouts with every board member to try and improve relations. He's like, he is dedicated to this project of like an interfaith Palestine, right? There needs to
1: be a Mad Men style show about this uh, situation, but continue.
0: Again, I go back to it. It's very cute because like, what does he do? He's like, I'm going to go to every person, hang out with them, play sports with them, and we're going to become best friends and we're going to make this thing happen. While he was doing this tennis thing to try and improve relations to the association one by one, uh, the Latin Patriarch of Christianity in Jerusalem came out and said that the YMCA was a deadly poison to the true faith, which was doing a great harm to Christian principles. He reminded his flock how the Holy Council issued an edict in 1920 against the YMCA movement because it aimed to subvert the spiritual life of men through alluring means. Uh, and Heinrich now had to deal with that. <laughs> so again, like he's like, okay, we're building relations. We're making friends. I'm playing tennis with people. I'm going to like take more care to like do this. And uh, all of a sudden, all that gets tanked because of the the Christians like basically declaring a fatwa, on the YMCA. And so <laughs> again, I go back the, the most thankless job in history. Uh, he started associating with moderate Arabs like Hassan Bey Dijani and Fakri Bey Nashahibi. and he he started associating with them to try and build relationships with Arabs and uh, with Muslims instead because the Christians now rejected him. They were both assassinated. <laughs> 1938 1941 <laughs> respectively <laughs> This guy this guy literally did have the worst
1: fucking uphill battle Like I just thought that israel alone would be enough context to make it hard but he was also extremely unlucky from what i'm understanding
0: yeah basically like he he starts making inroads and with the muslims and then both of these guys get assassinated which is amazing for other reasons because they both pissed mm-hmm. off the grand mufti uh so heinrichs then uh started started uh, getting into trouble with the ymca itself because um, he tried to change their mandate in Jerusalem to be non proselytizing, because he knew that Jews and Muslims would avoid the association if there was like a missionary mandate in there. But the uh, YMCA uh, was like in North America struck it out. Uh, But the term was also non-negotiable for the YMCA board. And so like already now he's stuck between two points trying to like tell them that the constitution doesn't mean anything while assuring the north americans that the that the ymca is in fact proselytizing when it wasn't and so then he decided to meet the grand mufti after the grand mufti basically assassinated the two people he was working with
1: his buddies um
0: yeah and the mufti's only question to him was um was if the president's director of education was a missionary <laughs> So, and Heinrichs is, again, he he genuinely believes that if they can get uh, an equal amount of Muslims, Jews, and Christians to the Olympics, that it will define Israel as a country of, like, as an interfaith country, which is probably not untrue, by the way. Uh, as we'll see later. And the uh, Nazi Orstgruppen that had been established in 1932 in Jerusalem was active enough by mid-1933 to influence high-profile citizens at the Jerusalem YMCA. <laughs> and Heinrichs also was, by the way, at this point, was feuding with uh, Yakutieli, who he, he described Yakutieli's self-styled committees as not being fully representative only comprising Maccabee members and did not include Muslims and Christians. And this was one of the reasons that the uh, Palestine Olympic Association could not be recognized by the IOC, but they remained open to acceptance if Palestine incorporated Muslims and Christians.
1: I mean, as we are going to see, too, this is a a like the, the committee. The committee's mandate is that it represented Jews, Christians and mu- Muslims that were living in mandatory Palestine um but it also ruled that it represented the Jewish national home at the exact same time and those all those members wouldn't exactly agree on just the wording of that statement so there's there's a inherent hypocrisy within even the mandates of the of these early uh, olympic zionist, committees
0: yeah the early like zionist olympic committees yeah and um so while yakutieli uh successfully um federated his zionist sporting organizations to like the fsfi and fifa and fina um heinrichs <laughs> so yakuteli's on a roll by the way he's associating with every like the zionist sports organizations to every international body and while he's doing this heinrichs is dealing with isa bendak editor of the radical radical christian arab weekly south dishab which was instrumental in organizing the arab fascist party in bethlehem whose objective was to harass jews And uh, as Yakutieli is then uh, on another step, associating with another organization, Heinrichs is dealing with Bolshevik members storming out of a meeting and putting out a demand for 40 revisions to the Constitution. (laughs) And as Yakutieli is is continuing (laughs) to uh, successfully federate his Zionist Olympic organizations. Uh, Heinrichs is then dealing with the Greek Orthodox and the Latin oh Catholics, okay. who, whose patriarch had reinforced the Vatican's fiat. It's like a WWE the, match. Yeah, against the organization. And as the is now collecting all of these uh, various affiliate organizations under a, a Zionist Olympic banner, Heinrichs is dealing with a scandal... Where uh, the Arabs are now accusing him of living in luxury at the expense of them and diverting money for personal use, despite the fact, despite the fact that he and his wife are living at the YMCA to save the organization money, and living expenses. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want you to—it's like a weird montage where like one guy is like making business deals and the other guy is being beaten in alleyway.
1: Yeah, and, ha- and having to share a bunk bed with his wife at the YMCA, I'm assuming, although it is a very fancy hotel at the same time now, um, so who knows how beautiful some of those rooms were for uh, specific uh, religi- religious uh,
0: uh, observers. I believe he actually took the worst room to show that he wasn't diverting money. (laughs) So, yeah, on one hand, you've got Yekutieli basically doing, like, I'm associating, I've got all these successes, we're an international competition, and Heinrichs is, like, putting out fire after fire after fire with, like, nine different groups, all of which are oppositional to each other. And then Yekutieli basically saw what was happening and said that the Zionist executive in Palestine would boycott in personal ways to be friendly, but not to participate officially or personally in the YMCA. Mm -hmm. Heinrichs basically uh, came out in a letter and said that he was trying to coordinate the staff uh, to make sure that everyone, including Palestinians, Syrians, Turks, Armenians, Russians, Germans, English, Americans, Scotch, Kurds, and Jews, were uh, all happy and felt uh, accounted for at the organization, and noted that such a lack of unity was not present in the Zionist movement. <laughs> Heinrichs also spoke of growing religious and political antagonism towards the Jews, and wrote that he himself was being accused of being a pro-Jewish, uh, anti-Arab, or anti-Jewish, pro-Arab agent. uh, uh uh (laughs) He was being accused of being anti-Christian, pro-Jewish, anti-Jewish, pro-Christian, anti-Arab, pro-Christian. Like, he was basically being accused of being all these things to perpetuate British domination of Palestine. And he, um, he also urged the head of the uh, Palestinian Zionist executive, who was not Yakutili at this time, that, that Jews in Palestine would lose a valuable ally if they did not cooperate with the interfaith goals of the association. This is like a key thing. So like, listen, most thankless job in the world still had his eye on the prize, right? He's like, we have to make sure everyone works together or else the, the Palestinian project, which would become the Israeli project, would fail. But the dedication of the building, the new building, was one of the highlights of Jerusalem's history during the British Mandate for Palestine. And Heinrichs felt that he needed more allies in the building because he saw, we all heard what happened. So he decided to nominate his brother Conrad Heinrichs to the role of associate physical director just to have like an ally he could rely on. This probably contributed to more trouble as it seemed like patronage. <laughs> the year the building opened, one of the community uh, members elected to the board, unbeknownst to the committee, uh, was also applying to membership in the Nazi party, uh, which Heinrich sort of found out. But then he, he told the international committee in North America or, and his foreign staff that there might be a Nazi uh, agent provocateur who is, like trying to pit all these sides against each other. And no one believed him. <laughs> he says in his journal, "No one believed him." <laughs> um, so, this yeah, is he... wild.
1: That, <laughs> like I, I literally, it's omitted from history that the early, early sports organizations in Israel had to play Nazi whack-a-mole because Nazis were infiltrating early efforts to form Olympic committees. This is like insane. And, and it's funny too, because in the second part, I'm going to be reading, reading from a different Zionist book that also completely omits all of these details.
0: And he also saw that, that Yekutieli's FASCP, um, which was his like big governing sports organization, uh, was like gaining power. And he went to them to try and incorporate the Jerusalem YMCA as a member club and gain some power within the FASCP that way. He also went to the Menorah Club um, in honor of Dr. and Mrs. Chaim Wiseman. To try and get their endorsement of the Jerusalem YMCA, Uh, these were not productive conversations, and he lost clout with Muslims and Christians without gaining any from Jews. (laughs) He explained, basically, in his journal how the Jerusalem YMCA was being crushed between Jewish sporting organizations and extremely nationalist Arab and Christian sports, uh, Muslim and Christian Arab sports clubs, that would not, and the two sides would not cooperate with each other on forming federations. Mm -hmm. Heinrichs maintained the Jerusalem YMCA would have to remain neutral and he maintained that there was an interfaith position through which they could f- find like olympic legitimacy and define israel as an interfaith community the same way he had done by the way hmm. in india uh yeah. where like even even ethnic tensions in india and pakistan are sort of uh you know not not completely especially in recent years but were largely erased in favor of an idea of, like, you know, sort of cohesive national unity, right? It's the only time that Muslims ever got any airtime in India is, like, heroes of the country, for example. And then, yeah, a dude named uh, Dr. Ivan showed up (laughs) and went out of his way to stoke Arab-Jewish-Christian tension even further and got involved with the YMCA in 1930, desperately tried to sabotage efforts to form a fully representative Olympic Committee of Jews, Muslims, and Christians uh, through the YMCA, Dr. Ivans received a visit from Goebbels Reich Ministry uh, to Jerusalem's German colony. And two days after that visit, um, from Dr. Ivans, by the way... Uh, yeah, sorry. Dr. Ivans visited from Germany, sorry, to Jerusalem to like... Uh, he was from Goebbels Ministry. So you can guess how those conversations would happen. A German YMCA member named Herbert Liebman, the Nazi we talked about earlier... <laughs> wrote a letter to the educational department of the Jerusalem YMCA asking the library committee to remove the Frankfurter Zeitung newspaper from the reading room and replace it with the official paper of the Nazi party. Upon receiving this letter, Heinrichs returned home for lunch. As if an omen, Cleopatra, the family puffy, puppy, started coughing and suddenly <laughs> died. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why did they name it Cleopatra. <laughs> as jews and new in the fucking newly formed israel that's too ironic too i mean this is amazing like i i i I don't want to skip over this amazing dog fact but like the ymca project is successful when you think about it with all these details i'll mention that a bit more but i'm just consistently impressed by uh these invasions being warded off the YMCA still like, we we just have to remind everybody the YMCA still exists in Jerusalem and is still considered a like mediating home for all three religions to this day, despite the death of, uh, Cleopatra.
0: Yeah. Again, like I put the dog detail in there just to describe how shitty this guy's life was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, again, we talked about the worst job in the world. Um, and basically, so this newspaper request uh, somehow made it public. You can guess uh, who might have leaked it. My assumption is a Nazi did to stoke, again, intercommunal tension. And so the the newspaper question was on the agenda at the next board meeting, and the whole city was basically looking at the organization. Jews wanted to know if the association was generally was friend, genuinely friendly to them. Germans wanted to see if it would back Nazi nationalism. Arabs and Christians wanted to know like, whether the YMCA was pro-Jewish or not. And Heinrichs would describe the three groups' attitudes towards each other as cordial hatred. And then on May 15th, 1934, uh, the IOC met again at an important session in Athens. This is during the newspaper scandal, by the way. Uh, to decide the fate of whether or not Berlin, the Nazi party, would be allowed to host uh, the Berlin Games. Uh, and if they had to take it away from them. The IOC was satisfied by German explanations, ruled in Germany's favor, Um, but what is forgotten is that in the same meeting, a Palestine Olympic Association was formally affiliated in the same session, Uh, and this association should have included representation of Arab sports interests through Heinrichs and the Jerusalem YMCA, but it did not specifically because Heinrichs was dealing with the Nazi problem <laughs> while Yekutieli managed to get a handle on getting Palestine certified at the Olympics through a Zionist project. Yep. So instead of fulfilling his mandate, Heinrichs had to deal with a Nazi cell that eventually uh, tanked his entire career. And with certainty, if he had been permitted to remain focused on integrating sport initiative, mandate Palestine's history in, in the Olympics and actually history in general would have, like, I, I maintain, like, this is speculative history, but I maintain it would have taken, like, a different route. And it's still a very more, like, representative route. In Heinrich's absence dealing with this, the Arabs could not leverage his historical relations and, uh like, insert themselves into those Olympic negotiations. And so, yeah, like and Frederick Kish and Yosef Yakutieli could not afford to wait for the Jerusalem YMCA to sort out its problems and they also joined the Western Asiatic Games which is uh, which happened in Delhi and it's it sort of said that Israel was born as a modern country in the first Western Asiatic Games in India and if Heinrichs had been allowed to do the work for which he was hired, Palestine's first international participation in uh, what was considered like an Olympic sporting event would have included a unified team of Jews, Muslims, and Christians. Instead, Yekutieli yep. <laughs> set the head of the Games Committee a sketch of a blue and white Zionist flag for use at the event, and 14 years later, that flag that was run at those games would become the official flag of Israel the Nazi party's agitation against Heinrichs appears to have been the reason for the lack of full Christian, Jewish, Arab, uh, Muslim representation. So Heinrichs eventually rejected the paper being in the YMCA, the Nazi paper. Um, and this kicked off a whole other scandal. So on the same day, Maccabee Palestine entered international Olympic sport, the board of the YMCA took Heinrichs to the George Williams room inside the building and told him that there would be a mass resignation if he did not leave the post of Secretary General. <laughs> <laughs> and so Heinrichs uh, was kicked out of his job basically because this newspaper scandal. At the exact same time, Yekutieli uh, sort of capitalized on this ongoing scandal to take that moment to insert his Zionist sporting organizations into the International Olympic Committee. And yeah, at the same time, a network of German sports clubs against Palestine would become central staging grounds for compulsory Nazi activities. Mm. The Auslands organization upgraded the local national socialist groups that were instrumental in destroying Heinrich's position at the YMCA uh, to recognition of like actual Nazi party groups because they proved their, quote unquote, they proved their medal at the Jerusalem YMCA <laughs> Uh, it can be argued that Nazi agitation at the Jerusalem YMCA and the consequent affiliation of a Zionist-led Palestine Olympic Committee to the IOC cemented the irreconcilability of emergent Israeli and Arab Palestinian states. Uh, these are also by the way the historical antecedents of the Munich massacre and like you know one of the big reasons that sport took on such a deep meaning in that country leading up to Munich. And then to legitimize itself in the eyes of the world, the Nazis invited Palestine to the Games. Palestine officially boycotted, where Kitsch responded to the correspondence from Goebbels saying that the Olympic Committee was too young and sent his regrets that participation in Berlin could not be considered in that reason. And also, after Heinrichs was booted out and left back for Western Europe and then back to the US, no one in canada or north america when he told them believed that the whole affair was (laughs) deliberately forced into a major issue by paid (laughs) nazi agents in fact they proposed that the germans felt they were being deprived of their rights which had been granted to all other groups
1: nazi sympathy (laughs) is wild back then
0: (laughs) yeah and they said they said that the handling of this issue by heinrichs had allowed things to escalate emotionally
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean come Uh, on is is, who knows what cleopatra had him uh had him doing you know
0: and so waldo fish heinrichs was eventually relieved of duty in the war he joined he joined the service the military service waldo fish heinrichs was relieved of duty in october 1944 by the ymca after failing again in great britain and died of a heart attack at middlebury college in june 1959 Um, the peaceful relations he had started during the war between Jews and Arabs in Mandate Palestine did not last long after its conclusions and Palestinians as we know them now have been completely marginalized from sport in Mm -hmm. Israel Um, so I mean that's the story so far (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: this is, it, it's so interesting to me that these, th- out of these three characters, the one that I knew of the least, Heinrich is the biggest loser and the one that had to deal with all this, like, Nazi invasion, everything. Like, Yakutielli, as we're going to talk about in the next part, is a very important figure in forming um israeli uh sports uh israeli sports nationalism through the Maccabiah games but also archibald clinton hart who had designed the fucking ymca building and was an important uh leader in that uh department is still considered like a hero in jerusalem for creating a building where uh muslims jews and christians can enter no, I have never heard of this Heinrich guy ever.
0: I have a, a postscript here even. So the Jerusalem YMCA building, like basically Heinrich still left some infrastructure in place through his staff, not the board. Um, but a massive bomb planted by uh, Zionist operatives of Lehi and extreme Zionist faction obliterated the Secretariat of Government of Palestine across Julian's way. Uh, And the tremor of the blast blew out the YMCA ceilings and windows. And uh, most of Heinrich's staff died (laughs) um, in that. And also Heinrich's, Heinrich's replacement did not read Heinrich's file. Mm. um, And he had no knowledge of Heinrich's work and was unaware of a national governing body for Olympic sports in the country. So Paul Hartman was his replacement. He basically fucked up. Um, Mm. And after the Second World War and the creation of the State of Israel, the role of Nazis in destroying the Jerusalem YMCA's work towards the unified representational body for Palestine was pretty much purposely forgotten by all sides. But oh, up until this point, what we're forgetting is there was marginal representation of Arabs because the IOC required it and because Kitsch was pushing for it, right? Kitsch and Yekutieli worked together kitsch was much more like we got to have some arabs and christians we got to show the world that like we're at least trying right uh kitsch died in tunisia fighting erwin rommel's africa corps meaning that yakutieli took over the show and he Mm -hmm. was again his name they called him the maccabee soldier after some opposition the ioc finally recognized the olympic committee of israel post-war and invited the uh invited them to the 1952 games at oslo and helsinki uh yosef Yekutieli entered the stadium at the opening ceremony of the 1952 games this is a direct quote from the book the maccabee soldier was the last man standing with kitsch dead and heinrichs long gone Hell his yeah. accreditation card from the helsinki games can be found in the yosef Yekute- Yekutieli maccabee sport archive documenting his long journey from bressa in the late 19th century to ottoman palestine british mandate palestine and eventually uh-huh. medanat israel Uh, The ostensibly purely Jewish state of Israel that he put upon his shoulders and created basically himself uh, alongside, you know, Herzl and all those other people. This guy was probably the most responsible for creating this idea of a purely Jewish Zionist project of Israel on the world stage and the stage where most people were watching, which was the stage of sport.
1: Well, because he wanted to play shot put with his fellow Jewish brothers. That's 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 so uh, that's so inspiring. And yeah, fuck you, Heinrich, you fucking loser Nazi cuck. (laughs) I love the digs at him throughout this book, like the direct quotes that you're reading. It's it's very uh, unapologetic.
0: It's amazing because like this guy, I I love him because he tried his best. You know what I mean? But like, Mm -hmm. talk about the worst job in the world. Um. Also, by the way, there is a claim that there was a Palestinian delegation at Berlin that was eliminated in the third round of football, but there's no proof. This is so weird that a a sports team can exist and not exist because Israel maintains they boycotted the games. That's a, that's a huge point of national pride that they were the only country to boycott the Palestinian, the Berlin Olympics. Right. Mm -hmm. But like there are records of a Palestinian team there But the financials for the Jerusalem YMCA in 1936 were not identified um, in the Couts family YMCA archives. And there's a memorandum of a receipt of budgets for the YMCA and the Olympic Committee uh, to a guy named Frank Slack. But in both cases, the budget that's supposed to be attached has literally been ripped out from the archive. And this is probably the biggest sporting mystery of the 20th century because uh germans and a bunch of other western european countries maintained there was a palestinian delegation and there is proof by the way heinrichs was at the berlin olympics as a spectator uh, but the israelis have also maintained that there is zero that they boycotted the games in full now the the probably what happened is that there was an unofficial delegation of germans and arabs but because there were no jews the israelis have maintained a non a non-participation right and gone out of their way to basically hide it from history, so that it it still works as a point of propaganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only two published uh, references to this Palestinian delegation, but like actually nothing in the official records of even Germany, even though Germany uh, and the Nazis maintained there was a Palestinian delegation. That's fucking weird. You could do a whole episode on that, but like, yeah, I hope that story was entertaining because like I I I just think this guy was set to. Israel to Jerusalem to his job was to bring together all three sides. And he thought he could fucking do it.
1: No, because all the other sides all had deep interests to not let that happen. I mean, the, imma- it's, I'm almost impressed by the foresight that any player, any actor in this story had other than Heinrich, in terms of how useful these kinds of positions and digging your feet in the sand over these uh, actions in early Israel that would come to act as amazing, uh, amazing features of our, the of all the sides propaganda, as we just said. that I'm, I'm very impressed by that hindsight personally.
0: Yeah. I, it's like, it is like, you know, sort of admirable, like this guy, uh, if it wasn't for Nazis, there was a clear <laughs> chance that this guy, again, if you assume that the project of Israel post uh, post Holocaust was sort of inevitable, right. Which it was like, let's not kid ourselves. There was no way that, that, the Israeli project was going to go any other way. Like we could talk about its legitimacy, which I think is, you know, it's, it's personally, I think it's largely illegitimate specifically because of the way the Palestinians have been treated. But like, this is like, if you, if you accept that the project of Israel was guaranteed, it could have gone a completely different way because of Heinrich's And it didn't. (laughs) And it also sort of articulates, like, why a two-state solution could never really be possible. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, these three sides fucking hate each other
1: so much. Yeah, and there's always one exterior actor that has nothing to do with what's going on, always with some kind of fundamentalist Christian idea that wants to break up the party and fuck it up anyways. So even if we tried, it doesn't matter. Fucking somebody is gonna come and and invade and and even if there's a heinrich he's gonna get nazis in his fucking in his building somehow it's amazing
0: yeah like and and there's two ways to sort of interpret this right you can interpret heinrich's as heinrich's as both being altruistic or hubristic mm-hmm. um i i like it's hard for me to not read like all these bad things happening to this guy like your dog dying the nazis infiltrating you're trying to play tennis with everyone and then like everyone declares a fatwa on you you go like hang out with people and get some support and then like they're like actually we hate you and oh you met with those guys we hate you too (laughs) right like and not see it as like altruistic but like it is also incredibly hubristic about the ymca and heinrichs to think that they could find a peaceful solution to the middle east like it is very much like obama saying that they're gonna find like peace in Mm -hmm. israel or trump appointing um jared kushner to like find an israeli peace process you know (laughs) what i mean yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I, we're going to see uh, in the second part, Yakutielli's efforts come to light and how despite all that and despite this story, nothing goes well. Like in terms of Israel standing in in uh, international sports, in terms of the Olympics, they might get recognized by the Olympics, but all this, no none of the sides have interest in there either being a two-state solution, as Abdul just said, or for there to be some kind of camaraderie in sports between these sides like this this has never ended since the fucking 1930s which is why i'm already exhausted before recording this next episode
0: (laughs) and uh yeah i i think that's part one this is i will say this is probably my favorite story i've researched because i just like i was reading it and i'm like i felt so bad for this guy (laughs) yeah i mean like this guy like imagine like the air of happy optimism you have when you like go you're like i did this in india i'm gonna do this in jerusalem and just like you know just being like just being bitch slapped across the face by you know one of the most violent historic conflicts in human ongoing conflicts in human history um yeah i i love it anyway that's our episode part one uh next week you'll hear part two and uh yeah hope you have a good week